The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, we're going to discuss food labels, what they mean, what they tell us, and perhaps most importantly, what they don't tell us. Confused? Well, you won't be after this week's show. Plus, we'll tell you what's happening around town and give you a chance to win a $100 gift card. But first up, it's time to do something your mom told you never to do. Yep, it's time to play with our food. Isn't that what it's all about? Only this time we're going to play with the nutritional aspects and find out what all those labels mean. And here to shed some light on this is board-certified clinical nutritionist Neil Levin. Neil is the nutrition education manager and a formulator for Now Foods. He is a diplomate in Advanced Nutritional Laboratory Assessment, is a professional member of the International and American Associations of Clinical Nutritionists, and is the past president of the American Nutrition Association. And we're very fortunate to be welcoming him to the Mother's Radio Show. Neil, how are you? (laughs) Great. It's wonderful to be back with you. It's always such a mouthful to your presentation here. We thank you for being here. Before we get to today's topic, can you fill us in on your audience, our audience, and your work and its mission, Neil? Yes, I'm uh, not only a product formulator for Now Foods, but I'm the nutrition educator, and I do a lot of uh, sign-offs and approvals for a lot of our quality processes. Part of what we do is... uh, try to address some of the issues that come to us from our customers, which include, you know, retail stores, practitioners, and the public. And one of the issues we often hear is, why can't I get what I need from my food? Why isn't there, you know, a perfect diet that I eat and I never need to take any kind of supplements? Yes. Why? (laughs) And and the other thing is, why can't I get that in all in one pill? Thank you. Bingo. And we like to say you can, but it would be... It would have the name Titleist on there. Uh, <laughs> it would be the size of For a golf all you ball. golfers, yes. yeah, right? <laughs> well, I love that. So I think I'm going to really like this show here. Today we're talking about the nutrient differences of organic, conventional, and biotech crops. And let's start by talking about a healthy diet. Doesn't a good healthy diet always provide all the nutri- nutrition nutrients, I guess? That's what we need, right? Yes, and we're told that all the time. Mm-hmm. A healthy diet gives you everything you need. You don't need to take supplements. And uh, I think that mantra is getting weaker and weaker as time goes on. And the more government studies there are, it's showing that people are not getting the nutrients they need. And, and what are the reasons for that? Part of it's because people just don't like eating their vegetables and, and eating what they're supposed to eat. And no amount of badgering from the government is going to make them eat something they don't want to eat. Hmm. So yeah, there is that, but there's more to it. Here's the secret. Look at your food label. And on the side of each food package, there's a nutritional label. And it says how much vitamins and minerals and protein, etc., are in that product. Fats. The, the problem is... They're based on U.S. Department of Agriculture food tables that were developed in around 1940. (laughs) Now, as we know, we no longer have the same varieties of crops grown because they're growing crops that are designed for long-term storage, for ripening at the same time, Mm -hmm. for looking good on a shelf rather than tasting good. And, uh, for example, I was in Seattle last year and went to a farmer's market. And they had varieties of apples I've never seen or heard of 
They had 100 varieties of apples. And I go into my normal grocery store in the Chicago area, and maybe there's three, five in season, maybe eight types right. of varieties. You never see all those varieties. And they were grown for a reason. <laughs> some are good for canning. Some are good for storage. Some are good for pies. You know, all the, all the different reasons. So they're not growing the same varieties anymore. The other thing is the soil fertility is not exactly what it was in 1940. Mm -hmm. People are putting NPK, three minerals, back in the soil while the plants are taking out 72 minerals, mm. or roughly. So some of those minerals are being depleted. And they might be the one that you need in your area because uh, the soil is depleted because the plants take it up and there's not enough of that one. Mm. So all of a sudden you have an imbalance. Eating local turns on you. And is no longer healthy at that point. Although the freshness does affect things like vitamin C, the mineral content is, is more at risk in terms of, of these. Uh, another issue is the long storage time and the transportation and the artificial ripening and all these other things. So they've done some studies. And they found, and this is not only true in the United States, they found the same thing in England, that the nutrient value of our food is in some cases more than 50 percent depleted from what the food tables indicate wow. why is that important because when you look at the food label most companies are calculating that based on the ingredients and the usda food tables that were made in 1940. so even i i mean when every time you say that i always think of that the pyramid back you know that food pyramid that we think about when Maybe that was even yes. produced in the 1940s. No, um, but the food pyramid was, was a, a brilliant PR move from the Department of Agriculture. The mm -hmm. problem is lobbyists from the dairy and the grain and the, the meat industries distorted that. Mm -hmm. And it's been said that if you looked at the nutritional profile of swine fattening feed, <laughs> mm -hmm. that it matched the food pyramid. Mm. Oh, the original okay. food pyramid. Okay. That it wasn't, uh, and in fact, there's now a Mediterranean food pyramid, and, and there's all kinds of alternative food pyramids mm -hmm. uh, that, that are actually healthier than perhaps the official one. Yeah. Because of the lobbying interests that go in, the USDA is both a regulator and a booster of agriculture. They have a, a built-in conflict of interest. Oh, see how that, <laughs> yeah. and then they can flip it around too, right? I think yes. that. So, we're, so now we're finding the food supply doesn't even have what, what we think is in, on, in there based on the labels mm -hmm. and what is you know, legally allowed to be put on there because of the USDA food tables. So we're not even getting what we think we're getting, <laughs> which 90% of the public is missing at least one vitamin or mineral. Mm. So it's even worse than we think. Oh, my gosh. It's all, it's all in the advertising, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, is it true that conventional foods are just as nutritious as organic foods? We hear that all the time, mm -hmm. and it's usually from official sources and uh, people who want to tell us, make sure you eat well, mm -hmm. and the supplements are, you know, don't even think about that. Just eat well. That's enough. And since the food supply doesn't contain what it used to and what we think it does, and since people aren't eating everything they should, it's no longer enough to think you're getting what's on the label it's no longer enough to think that you're getting everything you need that's where the dietary supplements come in to supplement the diet and add some insurance to make sure that you are getting what you need 
And we've seen the American Medical Association and, and some of the government reports now saying it's, it's prudent for most Americans to take dietary supplements as a preventative measure. So that's important. Uh, the other thing is that conventional foods were originally matched to organic foods on a very piecemeal basis. And in the last 20 years, we've seen the science grow dramatically. We've seen where, where the science has grown from taking random samples from supermarkets, for example, to growing things on adjacent plots of land, using the same variety or cultivar, they call it, of seed, the same exact climate, because they're grown next to each other, but use an organic method and use a conventional method. And in fact, they've done that dozens of times and with different kinds of foods. And they found overwhelmingly that in these hundreds of studies, the organic food has more nutrients than the conventional food. But not all these nutrient differences are based on vitamins and minerals. Some are. For example, if you look at organic ketchup versus conventional ketchup, you'll have 50 to 100% more of the red pigment lycopene in the organic. And lycopene is now being shown as being healthy, not only for prostate and, and hormonal health, but to be helpful for uh, cardiovascular health as well. Mm -hmm. So the more of that you get, the healthier you are getting these healthy plant pigments. We've, we've all heard about eating the rainbow and mm -hmm. the pigments from food being healthy. And that red pigment in food is higher in the organic foods. Organic oranges, even though they were smaller, they contained 30% more vitamin C than conventional oranges when they were tested. Wow. Well, again, this seems like everything you're saying, all the information that we thought we knew, all of a sudden you're flipping it and all the information you're saying changes. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you look at the studies, it mm -hmm. blows your mind because we're not being told the truth. Mm -hmm. we're, we're being told the organic's not better. And maybe the supermarkets and the agricultural agencies and every, all, the, all these lobbies have a reason for us to want to think that. Because if this is good and that makes the other thing bad, mm -hmm. and most of what they're producing is the bad stuff, they don't want us to think that. Um, there's other type of nutrient differences, too, we should talk about in the second half, though. Wow. Very interesting. I guess that means don't go anywhere because uh, interesting information, Neil. Right now, we are going to take a quick break. More of Mother's Market Radio Show in just a moment. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with Her Life Stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. 
Welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to take the time to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market, or you can download the podcast from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click on the link for radio and listen to our past shows. Plus, you can always download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with board-certified nutritionist Neil Levin from Now Foods. We were talking about nutrition. So, Neil, what types of nutrients vary because of the different agricultural methods used? Well, that's the key question. And we've seen as the studies accumulated, especially over the last five to ten years, where uh, there's many more studies been done that that compare these, that uh, the vitamins tend to be higher and the minerals. But there's another class of nutrients that are now shown to be much higher in the organic foods, and they weren't looking at this type of nutrient before, the polyphenols. And polyphenols are a broad class of antioxidants. And why are, they, why are there polyphenols in plants is an interesting question. It's because the plants produce them in response to environmental stresses. It could be a drought, a lack of nutrients, uh, environmental conditions, too much sun, sunlight, too much rain, insects or, or animals nibbling on them. Those stresses make them make these polyphenols as protective and uh, protective compounds. Mm. Often the plants make something for one reason and it has a different effect on us. Why do the plants make sugars? It, it uses them largely as structural material. Plants don't have bones. How do they stand up? They're using sugars as structural material. Humans use sugars as structural material. Our genetic material is held together by the sugar ribose. Our, we've all heard of glucosamine for joint health. Glucose is a sugar bonded to a protein. Mm-hmm. So these glucose protein mixtures, which is basically what DNA is and what our joint structures and our connective tissues are, are used in animals and humans as well as plants. So we're finding almost an unintended benefit where humans get a benefit from eating the plants that might not have been what the plant intended when it made it. Mm. And these polyphenols are these things that they're producing in response to stress. For us, they're antioxidant nutrients. They add to the value of our antioxidants. They protect our antioxidant vitamins like vitamins A, C, and E from being degraded in the body. They reactivate them. And they've been shown to be so protective that against things like uh, cancer, heart disease, and, and these other conditions. Now, obviously, we're not making those kind of product claims. But looking at the science and why plants make things and what health effects, the studies are saying that these things are significant for human health and that the practice of babying plants by using herbicides, pesticides, mm-hmm. by using fertilizer, sometimes to excess, are reducing the levels of these important antioxidants in the plants that are conventionally grown to the point where they're no longer as supportive of human health. Wow. Very interesting. What makes the levels of these nutrients higher in organic foods? Because they are exposed to these stresses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're not using chemical fertilizers. You're not using where they're getting tons of nitrogen. Maybe they're a little deficient in nitrogen. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not getting exactly the environmental conditions and uh, they're not being babied in the same way. Right. So that actually prompts them to make more of these things that help them deal with stress but help us mm-hmm. in terms of nutrition. Okay. 
Okay, so are GMO foods that have been genetically engineered with biotechnology more nutritious than conventional or organic foods? Yes, this is a controversial topic. But again, if you look at the science, the, the papers from universities, for example, mm-hmm. that, that publish them in, in these scientific journals, the companies making these genetically engineered or GMO foods are not doing it for our benefit. They're producing things that allow them to use more herbicide. And by the way, that herbicide is a very potent estrogen. So it's adding an estrogen the body can't deal with very well. And it's letting them use more of it because it's resistant to being affected by larger applications of, of these agricultural chemicals. Uh, they're not producing things that are higher nu- nutrients. They're actually degrading the level of nutrients by, again, protecting them from competing with weeds, from uh, having the bugs nibbling on them and things where they're producing compounds to help stop that. Mm -hmm. And so we're actually degrading the quality of nutrients in the plants that are genetically engineered. And we found in the case of soybeans, for example, there's some anti-nutrients that naturally occur in soybeans that when you cook them, go away. And, and it's quite edible. Well, you know, when you dry soybeans, these things form, and then when you cook them, they go away. The genetically modified, when you cook them, it still has the same levels. It's an unintended consequence of genetic engineering. And the literature is full of these because you can't control that. And in fact, they've eliminated the controls in the genetic engineering. When they do that, genes have switches. If you imagine a console, like the old stereos where you had a bunch of different knobs you could adjust to different settings, Mm -hmm. and you could modulate the levels, you know, the tone, the bass, the treble. When you genetic engineer it, they deliberately turn all those up to 10. Mm. There is no modulation based on what it's exposed to. They want the gene they're implanting to be expressed fully, hmm. but they don't know what that's going to mean in real life terms, what other things these genes control. The other issue is they can't precisely cut out one gene. They, they have other genes and gene fragments in there. They're also set to full. Hmm. Environmental triggers no longer modulate them. There's other issues that they're using caterpillar viruses to implant these because viruses are something that attacks our cells and takes over our cells. They're using them to attack a seed cell and take over the genes in that cell and add this genetic material. And viruses, of course, are notorious for mutating. Mm-hmm. That's why we need different flu vaccines every year. Right. So they're using a virus in the process. Mm. And they're making antibiotic resistance as part of the process because one way they could tell which which cells have been correctly implanted with this genetic material is they've added an antibiotic resistance element to it and then they add an antibiotic to the mixture and kill off the ones that haven't been implanted correctly. So now here's something with antibiotic resistance Mm -hmm. with a a virus that could mutate and with uncontrolled side effects. Mm. They've, they've combined bean and pea proteins that are both quite non-allergenic, and when they mix them in the genetic engineered foods, they're quite allergenic. Wow. So unintended consequences, they're not controlling. They have no way to predict. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good news is that using the gene technology today, 
you can do conventional crossbreeding and predict what's going to happen more surely than you can the results of genetic engineering. So it's hopeful that if people embrace this crossbreeding, uh, still using the genetic technologies of today to determine what's, what's in the genes, but once they identify them to breed strains together to get the results naturally, that they can actually get better results. Wow. <laughs> Oh, my. Wow. Well, don't uh, GMO crops have benefits to farmers, including larger yields that are needed to help feed the world? That is a huge myth. Mm. And no. Okay. There's millions of farmers around the world that have been documented by uh, groups like the Soil Association in the United Kingdom as improving their yield, lowering their costs, lowering their water needs. And water is going to is a big issue for agriculture around the world, getting enough water. Mm-hmm that by going organic and, and going from conventional farming back to traditional farming techniques. Why did those techniques work? Because they were appropriate for that area and for the seeds. Paying more for seeds that you're not allowed to replant because they're patented is a problem for those farmers. It costs more. Getting smaller yields. They are getting smaller yields, not larger yields. When they converted to biotech cotton in the United States, about 40% of the crop failed and the old crops had been bred to resist nematodes, uh, uh, organism in the soil. Genetic engineering removed that resistance. And the plants all got woody, too, and ruined the quality of the cotton. Mm. So you get unintended consequences from genetic engineering. And the only one who benefits is are the seed companies and the agricultural chemical companies. They're, they're telling farmers they're going to do more. They're telling the press that they're going to feed the world. But it's not happening. The opposite is happening. Wow. Well, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> so you're busting there through the myths. What is the bottom line then? Uh, what can we do to? The bottom line is you get better nutrition mm-hmm. from your organic foods. Mm-hmm. And the biotechnology foods are often are higher in anti-nutrients mm-hmm. and lower in actual nutrients. Uh, they cost the environment more and they cost the farmers more and are not a good deal for anybody. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Well, you, it's been fascinating listening to you. And uh, thank you very much for, uh, for your honesty here and making us think about these things, Neil. Thank you very much for your time. And we look forward to having you on again. In the meantime, you can catch more of Neil by reading his blog at HonestNutrition.com. You can like him on his Honest Nutrition Facebook page and follow him on his Twitter at Neil E. Levin and learn more about his expert nutritional advice at NowFoods.com. And we look forward to our next visit. Thank you. Thank you. If you've ever enjoyed the delicious food inside our kitchen, you may have tried this tasty dish. Now you can make it yourself. Hi, this recipe is for Ma's Vegetarian Chili, and it serves six people. The ingredients are three cups kidney beans sorted and rinsed, one cup grated zucchini, one cup grated carrots, one half cup minced onion, one quarter cup minced cilantro, 28 ounces of canned tomato sauce, six ounces of canned tomato paste, one cup water, one tablespoon garlic powder, two tablespoons chili powder, one tablespoon basil, one quarter cup parsley, one tablespoon tamari soy sauce, one cup textured vegetable protein, or also called TVP. 
So the first step is to soak the kidney beans overnight to cut down on the cooking time, or if you're in a hurry, you can certainly use canned kidney beans. When you're soaking the kidney beans overnight, um, in the morning you'll want to drain those kidney beans and add two quarts of fresh water, bring them to a boil, and simmer for one hour until tender. After the kidney beans have been cooking for about 20 minutes, you will want to place the tomato sauce, tomato paste, and water and spices in a separate pot. You're going to cook that over a low fire, stirring continuously for 10 minutes. You add the vegetables and to the seasoned sauce and cook for 20 minutes until tender. Drain the cooked kidney beans and add them along with the textured vegetable protein to the seasoned sauce and vegetables. Simmer for 15 minutes, stirring occasionally. This chili is great um, topped with cheese or if you're trying to keep it vegan with some vegan cheese and excellent served over brown rice or pasta. That's the recipe for Ma's Vegetarian Chili by Mother's Marketing Kitchen. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market radio show and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Thank you.